and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plastering, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stand Chum, bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much. Slightly socially distant today, as we're not together, thanks to uh, Boris Johnson and the government's efforts at containing this <laughs> pandemic. Uh, but hello everybody, we won't go political on you tonight or in this week's show. Uh, welcome back, this is episode number 220. Just want to thank everyone who tuned into last week's show, thank you very much for doing that. We are very, very grateful to you uh, for doing so. This week we've got a couple of league matches for you, uh, that we're going to review, unfortunately they are losses. Um, news from around the club, lots and lots and lots of fan views, let us know what you think about those. But just before we do get onto podcast business, I just wanted to mention the amazing tattoo sleeve that our friend, friend of the show, Darren Reisman, uh, had done or finished last week. He's had a promotion winning sleeve uh, tattooed onto his arm with Ross Joby uh, and Matt Harold. If you haven't seen it, it's on Twitter and Instagram, uh, so go and check that out. It is, it is genuinely a work of art. I'm not a tattoo guy myself, but I can appreciate the, artist, uh, the artistic nature of it, and it's absolutely fantastic. So fair play to you, Darren, for sitting through what I'm sure was quite a painful time um, and having that permanently etched onto your skin. Fair play to you. So without further ado then, let's move on. And as always, we start with our sponsors. Yeah, you must know this by now. AJF Plastering, they are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, and you know this. They specialise in silicone colour render systems. And please, 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 please take this in. They offer all OST fans and staff and players 15% off this offer has been taken advantage of so much, especially, again, in the last two weeks, Karen Harrison the latest person to take advantage of the offer in the past week. So if you're listening and you need any of the work that we just talked about, you can get in contact with Adam via his shiny new glittering website at www.ajfplastering.co.uk or you can email Adam and the team at ajfplastering at outlook.com. They're also on Facebook at ajfplastering or if you're on Twitter, you can get in contact with Adam at bigadslofc. So, the week that was then, we move on to Coulson Monday, the 12th of October. The club announced that the Leighton Orient Fans Trust have successfully renewed its nomination of the Brayer Group Stadium as an asset of community value. So, I'm not quite sure of what all the legal implications of that are, but if you go onto the Loft site, I'm sure that there's uh, some useful intel there for you. So, just well done to everybody involved in that. I think that pre predominantly secures it from being knocked down or or lost to um, property developers or something like that, I think is the gist of it. Yeah, good to hear. Then at half past eight in the evening, O's chairman Nigel Travis was on BBC Radio 5 Live to talk finances, EFL funding, sustainability, and talk about Project Big Picture, which at the time was still an option for the football league clubs to take. We'll talk about it very shortly in a bit. But I won't go into too much detail about that, because as we all know, that project never really got off the ground. So, um, moving on then to Tahue Tuesday, the 13th of October, the club announced that Anthony Papadopoulos and Tristan Francois Vanel have joined Harlow Town on a one-month work experience loan. So, wish the young O's good luck there. 
Yeah, well done on those pronunciations there, Paul. Very Thanks. difficult. Took it like a pro. <laughs> Took it like you. a pro. So just before the big match, the main event, the club announced a live Q&A would take place at 6.45 on Wednesday, the 14th of October, as Chairman Nigel Travis, CEO Danny Macklin, would answer questions regarding the project, big picture, and much more. Yeah, and in the afternoon, the under-18s were in action against Southend United's under-18s in the Youth Alliance Cup. And unfortunately, the Young O's lost the game four goals to nothing, unfortunately, there. So, time for the main event, in, as the first team travelled away to Walsall. The team lineup was announced at 6pm, consisting of Lawrence Vigoru in goal. At the back, Tunji Akinola, Josh Coulson, Joe Widowson and James Brophy. Midfield of Ousi Say. Josh Wright uh, and James Dayton. And up top, Joby McInerney, Connor Wilkinson and Danny Johnson. On the bench, we had Sam Sargent, Sam Link, Jamie Turlin, Jaden Sweeney, Hector Kiprianu, Craig Clay and the one and only J.M.D. There was a full debut there for Tunji Akinola as Joe Widdison, Josh Wright and Joby McInerney replaced the suspended Dan Happy, Sam Ling, Craig Clay and Louis Dennis. Steve, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think at the time when I was looking at it, it looked a bit disjointed in defence. I think a lot of people were trying to match up people and players to positions. Obviously, Akinola is a centre-back, and people didn't know whether he'd be playing right-back at the time or centre-back. Widowson was included. And again, you get to the old-age question of, is he playing centre-back? Is he playing left-back? Is Brophy playing left-back or left-wing? So a few questions there before kick-off. The only other thing that I had noticed was the bench. Not many attacking options. You take out JMD and they're all pretty much midfielders or defenders. So it's going to be a long night for some of those attackers. Yeah, I think for me, I'm not keen on Wooderson at centre-back. I don't think that experiment's gone particularly well from what I've seen. But there is plenty of attacking threat in the first in the starting eleven. But you are right, really, JMD is the real only sort of attacking player. Clay can unlock a pass and pick up, sorry, pick a pass and, um, and and sort of find a, an attacking player. But yeah, it, it's it's very light on on attacking players. But I guess he's obviously put them all in the team to try and get a, get a result with, with the starting eleven, But we had a, a number of uh, tweets that came in with views on that. Billy Carroll agrees with, uh, with you, Steve, in the sense that there's no creativity in the midfield three at all, effectively wasting Joby on the wing because he'll get no service. Yeah, I mean, to balance that out, to be fair to Ross, I mean, Lee Angle is injured, uh, Louis Dennis was injured, and Satiriou was an international duty. So it's not like he's just gone with no attacking options. That's all... Yeah of the available options to him. Alan Reeves, too, was a bit confused, saying, we are starting with a centre-back at right-back, with a right-back who's on the bench, a winger playing at left-back, and a left-back at centre-back. Love it, with loads of smiley emoticons. So the match kicked off with the O's looking to build on the draw from the previous Saturday against Barrow, which we took as a positive result. We played 18 minutes for 10 men, uh, but we've also, also looking to continue their good run. They were unbeaten at the start of the season. They were drawing more games than they were winning, but they were seeing high confidence, as I say, unbeaten so far this season. Yeah, there wasn't really anything to talk about until the 15th minute as a sloppy back pass from Liam Kinsella fell into the path of Fox in the Box. Uh, Danny Johnson, who took his chance first time to give the O's a 1-0 lead. Great finish there from Danny. Took it like a man in form takes it again. One chance, bang, boom. And it's the goal. When your luck's in as a forward, those chances fall your way 
and you take him. But he still had to bury it, and he's done well to anticipate it. As soon as mm. Kinsella gets the ball, he kind of anticipates what's going to happen. So as easy as the finish was, he's made his own luck there in a way. But well done to Danny Johnson, bang on form at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And he's really prowling along that back line there, really waiting for what he was hoping would be a mistake on their part. He still, like you said, had a lot of work to do. And that is a really, really brilliant goal. And as you said, his, his anticipation and his reading of the play is really good. Very poor from there, man. He must have got absolutely castigated at half-time for that back pass. Uh, yeah. Because he's done, he's done his team no favours at all there. Um, but yeah, no, great for us. Great start. So, great start, but unfortunately, the lead only lasted for 11 minutes as Walsall equalised as Callow and Lavery played a reverse through ball into the path of Rory Holden, who was running in to the Orient box completely unmarked, and he finished well past Lawrence Vigarou at the far post to make it one all. So, really disappointing goal to concede. And James Dayton, mate, you have to track your runner. The goal scorer, Holden, has just run off Dayton, who's kind of stopped in his tracks, and he's in the box, all unmarked and all alone. We have to be better there. I was really disappointed with Dayton there. And when the goal goes in, you've got Wright, who's kind of articulating to Dayton, so where are you? All the defence are looking at each other. And it's not the best kind of body language um, between them all. It's all just a massive sense of confusion. But for me there, that's all on Dayton. As harsh as that may be, he has to do better there. So for me, when I watch that back, Dayton hands the man over to Wright. He probably doesn't hand him over well enough, which is why Josh Wright turned around and started mouthing to him something. And Wright, because obviously Wright's not really picked him up, but Dayton points to Josh to say, that's your man now, he hands him over. Um, but again, Josh maybe didn't hear, didn't pick it, didn't pick him up for other reasons or whatever. I, I don't know, but um, it's a frustrating goal to give away. It's such an easy goal because we've just stopped tracking. Um, it, and it's very easy to start pointing fingers, but it, it's poor. And I think that's probably a communication issue there. Um, so, yeah, but it's one all now. And we move on. 30 yeah, we've spoken we spoke a lot about Orient scoring the first goal. Just disappointed when we did. We lost it so easily. But the 33rd minute, Walsall got awarded a penalty. It's Joe Willowson brought down Holden in the box and the referee pointed straight to the spot. I mean, that's a penalty all day. Holden's read what Willowson's going to do and read that Willowson's going to go in late on him. And he has. Holden's gone down. No-brainer. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, what on earth is Widdison thinking there? The ball bounces in front of him. He doesn't anticipate it well enough. He's then playing catch-up because the ball bounces awkwardly. Um, and then he, he's then in, 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 in danger land, really, because he's not in a position to, to comfortably deal with the ball and, and, and clear the danger. And that's one reason why he shouldn't be a centre-back, because that's not, you know, I think if... if um, Dan Happy was there. I think it would have been a, uh, you know, it had been dealt with. Um, yeah, very, very poor for me. Very, very poor. Um, and and Lavery took a confident run up. He took the did the stutter, but didn't fall. Lawrence Vigarou, who guessed correctly to make the save down to his right hand side. Superb penalty save. Well done, Vigarou. We gave him our hero of the week uh, last week because he's kind of gone under the radar, but. With penalty saved like that, it'll go up the radar pretty quickly. Great penalty saved there and done really well. And any time a penalty taker takes a stutter, you kind of are willing them to miss. So I'm glad that he saved it. Absolutely agree. The advantage is obviously always in favour of the penalty taker. So for Lawrence Vigarou to save that, for me, is outstanding. Only Akinola, though, went up to Vigarou afterwards to congratulate him, 
I think Widdison should have been the first man there saying thank you for saving me uh, for that one. Um, I don't I don't normally like to read into things and be so critical, but it, I, I don't know why players wouldn't go up to him and say, well done, great save, because the, the odds yeah. are not in his favour to save that. Um, yeah, point. So, yeah, again, I don't think there's a, an issue in the camp or anything. I might, I might be making a mountain out of a molehill here, but if someone had just got me out of a jam like he'd got uh, Joe Widdison out of a jam, I'd be over there saying, thank you, mate. Really appreciate you doing that. It was a brilliant save. But anyway... Just five, five minutes later, Vigoru was in action again, this time tipping over a close-range header from Scar. At this point, you just want the boys to get into half-time and one all. Well, luckily, there was no further action to talk about as the referee brought the half to a close at one all. And John Crabb 3 tweeted in and he said to us, Walsall looked the better side. Decent half, take one all at half-time. Wooderson is not a centre-back and Wright looks off the pace. Akinola looks good so far, though. Yeah, so the second half kicked off with no subs for the Odin. In the 47th minute, Connor Wilkinson passed to Danny Johnson, who for once couldn't find the back of the net. Nothing to talk about, really, until the 62nd minute as Walsall took the lead. Elijah Acebeo gave Walsall the lead following a blocked McDonald shot as the ball fell into his path and his right-footed effort found the far corner past Lawrence Vigrou and to make it 2-1 to the home side. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the defence criticised there. I think that's a, a bit harsh. I think Akinola is on the right side of his man um, and has done as well as he can in that position. And Ad Adebayo is a striker, bang on form, and probably a championship striker. Just, just finished it really well past Vigrou. I think sometimes... You've just got to say, unlucky there. Lucky deflection that brings out the ball to Adebayo and he finishes it well. But disappointing to go 2-1 down. I mean, yeah, you're right. To be fair, that's a really, really good finish. He still had a lot to do. He could have scuffed it, skied it, rose-edited it, pinged it yeah. straight out for a throw-in on the, other, on the other side. But me, for me, there's a huge question mark as to why we've got players standing in front of the ball with the player doing all this fancy footwork, not going anywhere. Just clear the ball away, just close the angles down for him to shoot. You've got three players standing there looking at the guy doing a little jig. Uh, I, I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Um, but, but it's still a good goal. It's still a good finish and certainly not one that we'd obviously want to concede. But in the 65th minute, it was nearly 3-1 as Adibayo was causing havoc again. Lawrence Vigarou scrambled the ball away before Akinola got the ball to safety. It's the first O substitution shortly after that as James Dayton came off and JMD came on with 20 minutes on the clock remaining. So not really heard much of, Jay, uh, of uh, James Dayton in this half, other than the fact that it was his man that ran off, that he didn't hand, did or didn't hand over to Josh Wright, who's then scored the goal. So a bit disappointed we're not talking about more impact from such an attacking, quick, skillful player like James Dayton. But then in the 70th minute, there was a big chance for an equaliser for Orient, as Connor Wilkinson found himself in, in a good position from an acute angle. But Roberts made a really good save. I mean, he's made a good save there, but if that's Danny Johnson, I'm pretty pretty certain that Roberts is picking the ball out of the net. And Wilkinson has, for me, to do better there. Yes, the keeper makes the save, but that, was, that wasn't the hardest chance for me. If he puts it more towards the far post, it's in the back of the net. And we talk about being clinical, and the, you know, the defence are going to be crucified at points during this podcast, and so are the midfield, and rightly so. But we've got to be critical in both boxes and we weren't there yeah. and disappointing for me I think when Wilkinson looks back at that I think he'll be disappointed he hasn't scored there I mean that possibly is a game changing moment yeah 
I agree with you. I think that I think I think I mean we wrote this at the time, and I haven't really sort of really reread it that much. But if this is the chance where Joby McAuliffe kind of sort of dances his way past two men, um, then I, I think we probably ought to be bringing it back for a free kick because he was brought down. But I guess where the advantage has been played, you can't have your cake and eat it. Um, Absolutely. But you're right. You know it was a good opportunity. Connor's going to be disappointed, but. You know, again, it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, it, it was a good opportunity. Uh, but in the 76th minute, again, Walsall had another chance of extending their lead to 3-1 as Rory Holden had an effort from the edge of the area that struck the post and then he fired the follow-up rebound um, well over, thank God. <laughs> yeah, he did. Shortly after, time for a double substitution as Usise and Josh Wright came off and on came Craig Clay and Jamie Turley. Good to see Jamie Turley back on the pitch yeah. first time he's featured since the COVID outbreak um, so good to see Turley back in action and hopefully he can stay fit because a fit Jamie Turley is a very good lethal defender but fortunately for us and Jamie Turley he's not been too fit too often yeah he's, I think he's suffered from the COVID virus a little bit worse than some of the other players in the squad so it's taken him a bit longer to get back but yeah absolutely agree for me he is a first choice starting centre-back when he's fit and ready. In the 89th minute now, uh, holding his book for a challenge on Craig Clay and five minutes of time were added on. Yeah, however, the five minutes, no chances to speak. Obviously, O slipped to their second defeat of the season as in-form Walsall took all the three points to win the game 2-1 to leave the O's thinking about what might have been. So that defeat meant that the O's at the time were 17th in the table, played five games with one win, Two draws, two losses, five points and a goal difference of minus two. So, bearded legend, bearded wonder, what were your views on the Walsall game? Well, as you can tell from the sort of highlights, and I use that term rather loosely, it's not the best of games. We seem to have been carrying more than a few players in that game. And it's disappointing to lose and give away cheap goals. Dayton and Cissé weren't at it tonight. I'm sure plenty of others, but I'm picking out them too as I expect more from them. Lawrence Vigarou was superb for saving that penalty and I think Ross is right in terms of saying that you know Lawrence has put in some real real classly, classy uh, displays and, and the people in front of him haven't really been helping him too much in terms of keeping a clean sheet. Um, he's not being rewarded. Uh, it's clear Joe Widdison isn't that comfortable in a centre-back position, irrespective uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, possibly a bit too soon to overreact, but we need to see an improvement for this coming Saturday's game. I want to see a lot more effort. I want to see a lot more of a desire to win, and I don't want to hear any excuses. Yeah, I think for me, it's disappointing. Like Ross and a lot of people have said, we always seem to fight back after going a goal down, but we actually win the goal up this time. And you're thinking, right, we're ahead now, so just let's stick with it and be comfortable. But we lost the lead too easily. Um, and like I've mentioned, the body language of the players at points, I think, gave quite a lot of weight. didn't seem to be a very positive body language emerging from some of the players. Spoken about Connor, I think Connor has to do better with that chance with 20 minutes left. That is the difference between a Danny Johnson and a Connor Wilkinson for me as it stands. And at full time, and even I felt only after five games, for some reason, it felt and it feels like there's a lot of pressure already at this point of the season on Ross. And I don't know whether that's because of the formation or because of the team lineups or the Brophy Widowson situation, but only five games in, not the worst start to the season by any means. But at the time, after the Tuesday's game, it did feel like the walls and the fairy tale was starting to unravel 
And I don't know why that is, because we're only five games in. That's only our second defeat of the season. And when you think about the whole COVID outbreak, there's a lot that's happened that you can't blame the players or the management or the board for. So, bit of a weird feeling after the game, I must admit. Mm, yeah, no, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think, I think you make a good point there. It seems to be a lot of people... I think it's a lot of noise from people that just don't think Ross is the right man for the job and I think that's being amplified unnecessarily at the moment like although when you look at it statistically we've lost 40% of our league games but overall when you include the cup games as well it's it paints a slightly brighter picture but those were our views we had a huge amount of feedback after this match so thank you to everybody for all of your views that came into our social media accounts and again we try and read out as many as we can but just because we read them it doesn't mean that we uh, agree with them and kicking off this week is George at George LOFC who said yes the defence has been shaky but we've had the hardest start to the season out of any club onwards and upwards I think that's a fair point as well to take into account as you alluded to earlier Steve yeah Alf Wuntun said another not, another poor performance Widow Wright Dayton absolutely shocking it should not be anywhere near the team I hope the players have all looked at fans' responses because yet again they have let the fans down defence needs some serious investment fifth game in very worried. Elliot, LOFC, said Coulson and Widdersson are the worst centre-back partnership I've ever seen. Very harsh. Paul underscore Woolhouse said, first time this season that we have been outplayed. Not sure we were strong enough in midfield. Would have had Clay on from the start. Just starting to worry a bit about this season. Les LK52 said, absolute rubbish. Defending is a joke. No attacking threat. Your best attacker in defence. Just obviously alluding to Brophy, just had enough of being second best for long periods in the game. It's just not good enough. Oh, and by the way, if you're going to use that long kick from Vigaru, we're going to need a target man up front. Yeah, Joe Jessner, 16, said one win in five. Plays constantly played out of position. Muddled tactics, defensively poor, and a total over-reliance on DJ. Where exactly do people think we're going this season under Ross? Wallace... RM1 said too many passengers in the side tonight and silly fouls when pressing doesn't help either. How many shots on target? And that's before we get into the defence. Orient Meat Pie was not happy. He said defence was poor. Right and Dayton were passengers. Even our goal was a mistake by them. Vigaru was the only highlight. Lower mid-table at best again this season. Ron Sampson, 15, said it's going to be a long, hard season. Without Danny Johnson's goal, we'd be in the bottom three now. Defence is rank. Wooderson isn't a centre-back in a million years. And playing Brophy out of position week in, week out is criminal. Sorry, Ross is a nice guy, but he hasn't much idea as a manager. P72 Smith said, Coulson and McEnough were the best players for the O's. Too many misplaced passes from Cissé time. Give him a rest, and I think Cisse is someone who I think we're going to come on to a bit later in the podcast. But again, not really showing what we saw from him last season. Richie J. Bourne said Dayton and Wright offered nothing. Not sure what Dayton's role was, as he didn't support the front line. DJ very often had no outlet or support, which an attacking midfielder should offer. Adam E. Woodenhood said strange back four, too narrow for my taste. Back to four four two, and let our decent wingers Brofs, Dates, JMD do their work on the wings. Deward underscore seven said frustrating. Team selection still baffles me. I really don't know what Ross is trying to achieve. It's like picking a team on Football Manager when you want to lose by playing everyone out of position. 
at Reese N94. This is Route 1, 90% of the time. So uninspiring. Get the ball, just give it away all the time. It isn't good enough at all. Um, Dave M1812 said, Disappointing. Didn't really create anything after they scored their second. However, only our second defeat in nine, just a shame that both have come in the league. I think the fact that both have come since the COVID incident speaks for himself. Speaks for itself. Sorry. Yeah. To be fair, that is a fair point. It is, yeah. At Molly Folly, 2019, says to all Embleton supporters, when does a bad start to the league season constitute a poor start? Maybe one win in five, five points, and 17th in the table, a clueless manager, and a bang average bottom half of the table team. Open your eyes. The cup sugar coating has evaporated. The Tipping Tim said it was clearly a bit ugly, but was away at one of the stronger teams in the league two weeks after COVID, three days after playing 90 minutes with 10 men, and the best player in Cyprus, best defender suspended, and Clay presumably too knackered to start, by a centre-half, and all is forgiven. I mean, there's quite a few valid points in there as well, just to give it a bit of balance. Yeah, I mean, that, that is, the, the points in there, you can't kind of neglect. That That is fair. You had a big, away game three days before Royal's on international duty Happy suspended Clay's probably too knackered and Angle was injured and Louis Dennis is injured so that, that, that was a good one from Tim there for balance Essex yeah. Silver Fox a poor performance too many playing out of position and looking unfit possibly post-Covid defence needs seriously shearing up ASAP not a good start going to be a long hard season Chris underscore Chris W underscore one said we need to fix our defence up. Formations all over the place. Turley has to start against Grimsby. Too many cracks in the defence wall at the moment. Yeah, George Nicholas underscore one says the ball watching for their second really ticked me off. Great strike, but if we were switched on, that wouldn't have happened. Mm. That's again what you were alluding to. Exactly. Yeah. Overall poor defence was my concern pre-season and remains the big issue. I didn't fancy us tonight but thought we would have put on a better display. Yeah, I think I didn't really fancy us either, um, but I, I, and I agree with that last sentence completely. Evie Stark tweeted in and she said, I think we can all agree tonight's performance was woeful, but what concerns me is the lack of discipline. The players seem to want to have a fight every time a decision goes against us, bar Johnson being thrown over the hoardings on Saturday. Refs are poor, and that's not going to change anytime soon, but we need to be more disciplined. Silly bookings, needless fouls and pushing opposition players or not giving them the ball won't help our cause with the ref or the whinging. Yeah, good point. I mean, we'll come on to Saturday in a bit about refs. So Trousers Techno said, I'm afraid there are too many gaps at the back, not tight enough, too much space for their strikers, midfield too much slow, slow passing, slow passing back. Strikers are good, but without sufficient good service. Yeah, Ed Jones, 1976, said, if we want to get better, I'd like to see a more settled side. The only constant seems to be Brophy and Joe Woodison's saga. Time to find a best 11 and stick to it as best as possible. Do think we need Turley back ASAP, though. The final word on Walsall goes to LOFC Teresa, who said, disappointed, but it's still early days and we've just got over illness. The boys kept attacking at the end. Let's try to stay positive. And keep the faith. So lots and lots of views there came in. Yeah, lots uh, of varied views as well. Yeah, yeah, just... varied views. I think you can you can see from the tweets that come in a lot of disgruntled fans, a lot of people questioning Ross's team selection, tactics, Brophy and Willowson, a lot of criticism coming in for Dayton 
and right. We've mentioned quite a lot of tweets because there's a real feeling coming in at the moment of these issues. Um, and the fan base, we're lucky enough to be able to have such a, a wide scope and span on Twitter. We thought we'd mention a lot of things that came in. So we hope you found those useful uh, that we've mentioned. Absolutely. So the Prediction League is sponsored by At Design Cadby, who are a specialist in company branding, advertising, print, digital and logo design. Uh, all fans getting a 15% discount off his rates. You can find James on social media at Design Cadby on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can email James and find out how he could help you. Uh, hello at jamescadby.com and he's been posting some of his work on social media recently and I have to say it looks very, very high quality, really, really good. Uh, and he's a really great guy as well. So get in touch if you're thinking about uh, rebranding uh, your company, your business or if you're starting one, he is the man uh, to get hold of so a very well a very big well done to Wadsey Reedy QB9 David Landau 17 who all correctly predicted the three points but an extra special well done to George Girks, Rob MCC 68 C Vlatas B Cross 95 who all predicted the score and a scorer so they get four points the maximum there and there's going to be a full prediction league table roundup later in the podcast yeah, so moving on into Wednesday, the 14th of October, and the club held a Q&A with Nigel Travis, Danny Macklin and Martin Ling and discussed the recently dismissed Project Big Picture and lots more regarding football finances. Uh, that is on YouTube. That is well worth a watch if you get a spare. I think it's 58 minutes. Uh, really insightful. So well done to everyone. Mm involved in that video and credit to the club for, for coming online so quickly um, and, and looking to address it um, so promptly as well it's a credit I don't believe any other club in the football league is getting that level of engagement so we move on then to Thursday the 15th of October the club announced the final EFL trophy game away to Charlton on Tuesday the 10th of November is going to kick off at a slightly earlier time of 7pm yeah, later in the day, the club announced the number kickoff time move as our match away in the league to Forest Green Rovers on Tuesday, the 3rd of November, has also been changed to a 7pm kickoff. So, once to make a note there in your diaries. Yeah, the club announced that Academy player Karel Palmer has joined Saffron Warden on a one month work experience loan. So, we wish him every success there. Yeah, so moving on into Mooney Friday, the 16th of October. And it was domestic transfer deadline day, but a quiet day at the club, with the only news being that the announcement that another kickoff time has been moved as the home game against Bradford City on Tuesday, the 24th of November, has been moved again to a 7 pm kickoff. I'm pretty sure that a lot of these evening games are going to be yeah. moved earlier. Um, Saturday, the 17th of October, as we move on then, happy birthday to two ex. Orient Legends in Super Kevin Lisby and one Matthew Lockwood. So very yes. happy birthday to you guys. Somewhere in their 40s. I think Kev's 41 and Matt's about 44, I think. Yeah, happy birthday, gents. If you're a relatively new listener to the Orient Outlook podcast, we interviewed Matt Lockwood very early on in our podcasting First career. One. So if you like Matt Lockwood and you haven't heard that interview, we've got a a little interviews folder on our SoundCloud page. Go into that and you'll find the Matt Lockwood interview if you've not listened yet. I mean, that was a long interview. Matt can talk. That was about two and a half hours. And we've also got a two-part interview 
with Kevin Lisby, recorded just after he left the club. That's in two parts. So again, if you're a relatively new listener and haven't heard our Kevin Lisby or Matt Lockwood interviews, go into the archives of the On Outlook podcast. Go and listen to them. Some great interviews, if I do say so myself. Superb plug in, Mr Nussbaum. Thank you, mate. Also, in the morning on Saturday, the young Odwin League action, this time at home to MK Dons, and despite taking the lead for a Matthew Young penalty, lost the game 3-1. So, lucky there to the young O's. Yeah, moving on then to the main event, which was Grimsby Town at home with a 5.30 kickoff. Before the game, we ran our Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. And after 232 votes in 24 hours, it's the first time that I can remember us having seen the results as they come out. 24% of you voted for a draw, but joint on on uh, 32% of the vote was Orient to win and lose. So it's a very, very balanced uh, uh, poll there. And thank you to everyone who took the time to cast their votes. We move on to the main event then. Yeah, so as the kickoff time was half past five, so this one kicked off later than normal, the team was announced at half past four. So Lawrence Vigoro was named in goal. At the back, Tunji Akinola, Dan Happy, Jamie Turley and James Brophy. In midfield, Usise, Craig Clay and Josh Wright. And up top, Ruel Sotiriu, Danny Johnson and Connor Wilkinson. On the bench, we had Sam Sargent, Sam Ling, Super Joshy Coulson, Joe Willowson, Joby McEnough, James Dayton and the JMD. There are four changes from the starting lineup from the game against Walsall as in came Jamie Turley back from his his spell on the sidelines. Dan Happy came back from suspension and was given the captain's armband. Craig Clay and Ruel Satoriu also made up the following changes as Ruel came back from international duty. So yeah, for me, some bold changes there by Ross. He's made mm. some, big, some big decisions there with dropping you know, the likes of, of Josh Coulson especially, but I thought he may have played Brophy further. I thought after Tuesday, there was a lot of discontent uh, around Brophy and Widowson. And although Widowson was on the bench, I thought Brophy may have been moved forward, but he was kept as left-back, but still a decent team. Um, and again, not there's no strikers really on the bench, but mm. the likes of Mack and Dayton and JMD, there's a few players who can get on and be creative and create create openings. Yeah, and absolutely agree. I mean, I, I quite like the lineup actually. There's plenty of pace and threat there. We just need to make sure that we don't make silly errors, the ones that you know typically for us lead to goals. Interesting for me that Akinola starts ahead of Ling at right back. Uh, obviously, happy being the captain as well. It's great, particularly obviously when he's got uh, you know more experienced players uh, around him. So clearly, they think rather highly of him. Uh, there and uh, you know may, maybe they're just bulking up his potential future transfer fee. I cynically thought so. I thought I'd mention it, um, but no. Cl- you know, joking aside, clearly deserves it. He's clearly you know a good good player in the in the um, in the camp. So um, yeah, no complaints from me there. And we had quite a lot of tweets in from this, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So Oliver Melman started the ball rolling by saying no creativity in that midfield whatsoever. I do like the look of that attack and defence though. Lubear84 said JMD needs to start for some creativity. Yeah, she sponsors JMD and raves about him. So, Lou, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> His time will come. He's a handsome Fern. young man, to be fair, so you can't blame that. <laughs> Julian Fern said nothing off the bench apart from JMD, but then later did go and say he didn't see Joby 
on the bench and I guess some well wishes come out of our Outlook podcast hours tonight yeah. to Junior so we hope your son uh, is recovering and we hope all is well in your household uh, from us yeah. at Outlook hours Amen. Absolutely spot on, Julian. Sending lots of love and support to you and the family. Hope Lou is doing well. Mr. J.G. Essex said, nice to see Turley back. Hope Wright turns up today. <laughs> LOFC 1978 said it's the usual Embleton lottery. Release the balls, please. PM31970 said, decent, strong team. Happy with that team. Yeah, Paul underscore LT, two pieces. We have a fox in the box but no one's put the ball in the box. Brophy is still left back. Why? Right back pass or Hollywood didn't justify place after Tuesday. Would like to have seen Hector given a chance. Worried. Billy Herring 03 said, I don't understand Ross's obsession with 4-3-3. It isn't working for us and is so predictable for teams that play against us. Hope I'm wrong, but there's no creativity in that midfield, so service to the front three will be limited. Yeah, so the match kicked off with Yo's looking to put the Walsall defeat behind him, but with Ian Holloway's Grimsby Town looking to build on their recent away win against Cheltenham. And it was a dream start in the fourth minute as we took the lead. Ross Terry picked up the ball midfield after some silky skill, drove forward, slipped in Connor Wilkinson with a beautiful pass, who was one on one with the keeper, Mikio, and he finished beautifully, made no mistake from 10 yards, and it was 1 0 Orient. Brilliant goal. Absolutely brilliant goal and criticised in the last game, Us Cisse, but he was the one that won the header and absolutely Ruel Sotorio, right place, right time and his determination, he's like a magnet to the goal, his absolute dogged determination to drive us forwards is a skill and a quality that you don't often see but he was fantastic Ruel he released the ball perfectly before um, he went offside uh, before Connor went offside and absolutely superb finish from from Wilkinson because he still had a lot to do there so fair play well that's what I'm talking about with Connor that's the Connor that I wanted to see on Tuesday you know buries it smash goal clinical bang that's what Connor Wilkinson has to do for Orient that's what I want to see but happy for him Good goal, well played Royal as well, really driving yeah. forward. That's part of his game that I think they must have been working on because he wasn't doing as well last season with those kind of cutting inside and driving in from midfield. So a really, a really great start. So yeah. nothing really to talk about now until the 21st minute. Yeah, as an outstanding save from Lawrence Vigarou, uh, Preston is allowed to run too far into our half unchallenged. His cross was well met by Matt Green and, and Vigarou made the save. And that, that's one of those where, again, another guy that should have been dealt with is just allowed to pick the ball up around the halfway line, Mark, and run three quarters of our, of our half with the ball unchallenged. We're just standing off him and just watching him. Thankfully, Lawrence was, was clever and quick enough to stop that threat because that would have crept in at the near post otherwise. So there's a follow-up corner. And from the corner, Grimsby equalises. Luke Waterfall lost Jamie Turley with his run and he headed in from six yards out despite Rigger getting his hands to it and the ball went in off the post into the far corner and it was one all. I mean obviously Jamie Turley's gonna be disappointed that it was his man um, that scored that but I think Lawrence Vigarou might also I'm not. I'm absolutely not going to dig Lawrence Vigarou out here but I, I know he's going to be disappointed that he didn't manage to keep that out as he got hands to it but I think just generally as a team effort that was that was just a poor goal to concede I think the pace on the on the ball because he gets a lot of pace on the header because the cross is coming so fast beat Vigarou but yeah I agree a poor goal to concede mm. 
really disappointing. I think Ross and Danny Sender on the bench must have been pulling their hair out. Really disappointing from a defensive point of view. And again, for the second game running, we've taken a lead early on and blown it fairly quickly due to poor defending. So the match was turned on its head in the 28th minute. Lawrence Vigory dwelled on a back pass from Jamie Turley. Matt Green stole the ball, but thankfully Vigory was able to smother it away. I mean, that would have been real catastrophic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lawrence has made a mistake there by dwelling on it a little bit too long and not realising how close Matt Green was, but thankfully he was able to get that back. But it went from bad to worse in the 32nd minute as Grimsby stole possession from Ruel Satoriu. Windsor fed a defence splitting pass through to George Williams, who ran off Tunjiak Inola and made no mistake as he beat Lawrence Vigaru to put the ball in the back of the net and give Grimsby a lead on just over the half-hour mark. I mean, that's a really poor goal to concede. Tise, really not the player that we saw earlier this year, and I think the defence all-round should have done a lot better there. We can't keep having this happening to us, you know. Um, yeah, very disappointed on my part. I think George Williams has finished that well, but has, from, yeah. a defensive, from a defensive point of view, Preston... Uh, goes again pretty much unchallenged in the middle of the box and, you know if he's not challenged in the middle of the box then essentially what a right what a seed say and what a clay doing there's three of you in the middle where are you all what are you doing yeah uh, you know if there's an experienced right back tracking uh his man tracking williams then maybe that chance doesn't fall to him, or maybe Ling gets there with a sliding tackle. Maybe that's doing Akinola a disservice, but Akinola wasn't with him at the time. Mm. And suddenly, from being 1 0 up, we're 2 1 down, and you're just going, This is the same old story, really. Yeah. And this is really frustrating. Um, so we were 2 1 down, 38 minutes. Then Josh Wright was booked, despite winning a 50 50 ball. Yeah, I thought he was hard done by there. Lawrence Vigaru on uh, on the uh, half time mark had to be alert again to stop an in swinging corner from Williams. He had to prevent that from going in. Yeah, the rest of the half was played out with the ref bringing the half to a close, with Grimsby leading the game 2 1. Yeah, Grimsby have had more control than us in this half. Um, and I made a point of noting two poor goals for us to concede. Very disappointed with that, having taken the lead. Yeah, so tweets started coming into us at Orient Outlook at half time. MS Orient kept it short, kept it very sweet. Only used five characters and put four hyphen, four hyphen, two. Yeah, suggesting that that's the formation that he wants <laughs> us to be playing. Um, <laughs> Uh, never has such such few characters meant so much. Kid Samson O <laughs> said, deserve to be behind. There is no one in this squad good enough to play either right-back or centre-back with Happy at this level. There's no tempo in our midfield. Our attacking pattern of play is hack it towards Connor or Orwell and hope they do something amazing. It's awful. DVD NTTG said, the same pattern of play every game. We pass the players who are man-marked or sideways. No one moves for a return pass. Paul Skinner, 88, said, I'm going to ignore the football and say the JE3 Foundation advert at half-time was outstanding, powerfully done and should persuade people to learn CPR. Can I just say, that was an absolutely outstanding video and well played to the JE3 Foundation, expertly put across using an actual uh, you know, case study of when someone's actually been needed and is on hand to give CPR, otherwise someone could have potentially died. So there's a young man that saved another guy's life. So absolutely, Paul, very, very well put. Yeah, well done to everyone there involved in that video. So the O's kicked off the second half, no subs, looking to pull back 
the 2-1 deficit. And there was a let-off for the O's in the 51st minute as the ball was put across the face of our goal by Windsor. But thankfully, no Grimsby player on coming to yeah, put it in. That was, that was a real opportunity for Grimsby to really stick the knife in us so so early on in the half actually that just went across the six yard box and thankfully there wasn't a Grimsby player there and Josh Wright should have really been more alert and, and, and cut that out but in the 52nd minute Ruel Satorio did well fed Connor Wilkinson who after some neat footwork got to the byline and drove across to Danny Johnson whose shot deflected out for a corner yeah 62nd minute now in first Orient substitution as JMD replaced Wilkinson. I thought Wilkinson had done well in that game, so I was a bit surprised that he'd taken him off. But obviously, we're not going to take leading striker Danny Johnson off, and Ruel had also done very well. So, fair enough. Yeah, there may be more to it. Obviously, you know, yeah. we know Connor wasn't well at Oldham. Maybe he wasn't fit or feeling it or not feeling too great. Um, but, yeah, I think a few of the eyebrows were raised when that substitution was made. And five minutes later, it was a second orient sub, as Jamie Turley was replaced by Joby McEnough. As soon as Yakinola was moved to centre-back, Craig Clay was moved to right-back, and Joby went into the centre of midfield. Uh, 73 minutes on the clock then, the O's equaliser, Dan Happy sent a long ball over to Jordan Maguire-Drew, whose touch was absolutely expert and deceived his marker. Uh, who let, he actually left him on the floor in the end. He drove into the box, beat another defender and curled the ball past the keeper with his left foot into the far bottom corner. That's an absolutely outstanding goal from Jordan Maguire-Drew and I'd love to see him do that in more games than he doesn't. Um, so yeah, fantastic, absolutely kudos, absolute kudos from me for that one. I mean, I didn't see that one coming. I was just watching the match and I could see the clock ticking down and it, it looked like it wasn't going to come or it, it was going to be a piece of individual skill, the ball around the equaliser. Well done to Jordan and like you said, Paul, that there's something we need to see Jordan Maguire, Drew, do more. Come on, influence games, run at defenders and finish well, which is what he's done there. So, absolutely expert finish there from Jordan. I'd be surprised if that one doesn't win gold in a month yeah. um, for October. So, JMD was booked shortly after that for a poor foul. And there was a let-off for the O's in the 76th minute as Taylor lifted the ball towards the back post. Pollock got his head to the ball from close range, but the ball hit the woodwork. The next 10 minutes saw the O's looking more likely of the teams to nick it, but there was no chances to talk about until the 87th minute as Jordan Maguire-Drew was at it again as he looked for the top corner from a tight angle. Unfortunately, the ball just curled wide. Yeah, 89th minute. You don't need us to talk you through this. You've all seen this at home. Grimsby won a penalty as a counter-attack, so the ever-dangerous Owen Windsor playing a 1-2 inside his own half, and he went on a run. He beat two Jack and Oda inside his half. Craig Clay picked him up in the middle of the pitch, but Windsor continued to drive forward, beat Dan Happy far too easily, still drove forward. Craig Clay was still on him without a challenge until he was inside our box. That's when Clay decided to make the challenge, sliding in behind him, bringing him down, and the ref pointed without any hesitation to the penalty spot. Craig Clay was absolutely terrible there. Absolutely appalling decision-making from him. He appeals that he won the ball. For me, I've watched the replay back several times. He probably does win the ball, but he takes the man down and he makes the referee make a decision. And these decisions are not going in our favour at the moment. Um, what he should have done, and I was shouting at my telly, take him out, take one for the team, do it now, do it now. 
and he decides to do it when, when he's in the box. Why, why, do, why make a decision there that's going to potentially give the referee a, a decision to make? You're taking control away from yourself. He should have just clipped his ankles when he was midway in, get a yellow card, stop the runner play, slow the game down. It's 89 minutes. You know, absolutely terrible and stupid decision making from Craig there, um, and it was a lunge that, which is why the referee's given him the free, given him the penalty. Really poor, really, really poor. There's not much I can say. I had no words. I mean, that's I not great for a podcast, that... mate. <laughs> <laughs> as as a footballer, I think there's some unwritten rules that you learn on the pitch of when to take players out, like to spot danger early. Yeah. and take a book yeah. and take plays out and I'm sure Emberton and the whole coaching staff and Ian Holloway and his coaching staff say the same if you're getting broken on and it's a 3v2 you have the chance to take a man's legs and take a booking then use your, use your noggin yeah. take the booking don't let the man get into it I mean by the time Clay makes a sliding challenge the bloke's literally got a 3 on 2 he's got an option on his left he's got an option on his right uh, and then the Clay decides to tackle him from behind and you know for people to say that Clay wins the ball I don't think he does. He wins the man's legs and the man's looking for it. As soon as he's in behind Clay, he knows the challenge is coming yeah. and he's waiting. And absolutely no brainer. Clay, Clay, mate, you are a professional footballer and you need to think about what you've done there. I can't put it any simpler than that. And that may sound harsh, but no, I think but it it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I think it has to sound harsh. Because... I think it has to sound harsh. Yeah, but it's frustrating, isn't it? Because it shouldn't have happened. It, it's something within our control. And we talk about costly errors. Because then we're talking about Montel Gibson stepping up. He sent Lawrence Vigarou the wrong way a minute later from the penalty spot and scored his first league goal. You know, it's unbelievable. We're giving players the confidence to go on and be world beaters here. You know, it, it's 3-2 in the last minute. He's got no chance of, of, of getting anything out of this game when really we probably just about deserved a draw out of it. And, and then that mistake happens. It's ridiculous. Well, I've got to say, good penalty under yeah. the circumstances. 90th minute for a young man who steps up to take his first penalty at a league club and scores it. So well done to the Grimsby player. Um, but shouldn't shouldn't ever be in that position. It's game management. It's team management. Um, and obviously we'll come on to whether Clay, Clay should even be on the pitch in terms of should he be playing as a right-back. We have a few tweets about it. But really, really disappointing. But that actually isn't the big... <laughs> the big talking point that is kind of the pre-headliner if I'm talking about the other podcast that I do that's the pre-headliner <laughs> this is the headliner so three minutes of time were added on and in the 91st minute in the final overs attack saw D- Danny Johnson get to the edge of the box he passed the ball into the box the Grimsby defender was sliding away his hand was out and the ball hit the defender's hand but to everyone's dismay the referee didn't point to the spot as Ross Embleton was protesting on the sidelines and Joby McEnough picking up a booking for his protests. I mean, that, in normal times, that wouldn't be a penalty because the guy had no idea. But there are plenty of penalties being awarded to, to teams when there is an accidental touch of the hat, a ball touching the hand, when the player doesn't realise that that's happened, and apparently the referee saying it's in a natural position, I don't think that's in a natural position whatsoever. You look at the Eric Dyer thing for Spurs, where he's up jumping and his arms go up to help sort of give him that elevation, and the ball touches his hand. I mean, he's not put his hand out to touch the ball. 
in, in either situation, but one was a penalty and one wasn't. I, I just don't understand the lack of consistency and the lack of uh, accountability that referees have to to do well. They can make mistakes and get away with it. There's no comeback for them. They still get paid. They still go home. They'll get reviewed and still go out next week, next game and, 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 and referee a game. It's, it's, it's appalling. It's appalling. The, the, some of the referees in our in our division are absolutely terrible. Um I think there's a big difference there, though, Paul. I think if I think if there's VAR in League Two, I think that gets given because by the rules that's a handball. Mm. So you reference Dyer, that only got given after VAR. I yeah. think VAR is influencing the way we all look at handballs. I think if it wasn't for VAR, we wouldn't be so agitated by it. I think but by the VAR rules, now, by the rules, if it touches the hand of a of of a, of a defending player, irrespective of whether it's intended. It, it, or accidental, it's a handball and it's therefore a penalty. It's just the referee called it that he felt it was in a natural position when the guy was sliding. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those where if it's one of our defenders, we're probably saying it's not a penalty. It, as it's kind of our attack, we're saying it is. It wasn't given. I mean, we all felt harshly uh, a judge there. Yeah. So two minutes were played out. Full time whistle went. We were clearly agitated. Ross Embleton arguing with the fourth official and then went on to argue with the ref as late drama saw Groomsby Town leave Brisbane Road as 3-2 victors Ross Embleton said after the game he said what I won't do is make an excuse for the fact that we got beat totally with the penalty I think we deserve to get back into the game with the second half performance we deserve to get a point from that game we let in two goals that we've addressed talked about and tried to become better at we're conceding too many goals which isn't giving us the opportunity and then we have to put in an absolutely unbelievable second half performance to get anything from the game. Yeah, he went on to say to answer your question on the penalty, as he was speaking today, Victor, all Ross said, all Ross could say was, Well, let's get it right, it's going to go away. They'll talk about it, we'll get no recognition, and the same things carrying on happening. The defenders' arms were in a natural position, but they weren't. Ian Holloway, honestly, what a man. I spoke to him a few times over the COVID-19 lockdown that we both went through, and he has been an incredible support to me, and I would like to say the same. As we walk off the pitch there, he says, you ruin the young man because it's a blatant penalty. It's easy to say it when you've won a game of football, but when you've got that, and Grimsby players walking off the pitch laughing and pretty much apologising tells you the truth. So Ross was clearly feeling hard done by saying that Holloway... And the Grimsby players were even saying that was a penalty. It wasn't given. So we move on. The league table doesn't make for pretty reading for an Orient fan tonight. We are 18th in League 2. We have played 6. 1-1, drawn 2, lost 3 on 5 points with a goal difference of minus 3. Mr Levy, your views on Grimsby? Yeah, I mean, I didn't enjoy what I saw. I'm writing at the time and I'm still feeling it now quite frustrated. That's two losses from winning positions you know we've gone from going behind in games and coming back to taking the lead and losing so we've kind of reversed our fortunes kind of I kind of liked it how it was before to be honest um, by comparison this attitude needs to change and it needs to change quickly we need to be more consistent throughout games we can't keep blowing hot and cold we didn't look like a particularly cohesive unit and I really felt the midfield were weak Cissé in particular and Clay for stupidly giving the ref a decision to make after bringing their man down in our box, having had 20 yards to make the decision and take one for the team. 
Akinola looked very good when he moved to central defence and Joby enabled us to push forward and be more on the front foot. I think that was a superb substitution with, with Jordan as well. But I'd rather not have Brophy as a left-back. Widdison needs to go back there. He's definitely not a centre-back. And as I say, credit to Jordan and uh, Ruel, who always looked dangerous, were direct and were very threatening as well. Although it wasn't great, I felt we deserved a draw out of that. And I still back Ross. I think the players need to be more accountable for the errors in the game. And they have to start doing a lot better. It's enough with the rhetoric in interviews about starting to do better and being better this. And we've talked about that and doing this and stop doing that. You know, we're over the COVID break now. We've had some injuries, but, you know, we've got a big squad of players, all of whom should be desperate to play and impress, just like Jordan did in that game yesterday against Grimsby. And also, I don't think some of our fans have been very kind about Ross on social media either. I think, as you said earlier, you know, we're now six games in and I know it's not particularly where we want to be with, with three losses and a 50% lose rate so far this season. That's obviously not great. But, you know, by the same token, it is only six games in. We've played a lot of football in a very short space of time with a COVID outbreak as well, where we had two weeks off. Uh, and playing Saturday, you know, there's a lot of mitigating circumstances. I'm not trying to find excuses here, but, you know, we're not talking about machines here. We're talking about human beings who have you know, positives and, and, and negatives about them. But it's just the mentality of the games. You can see, you know, in the mistakes that we talked about in the Walsall game, in, in the mistakes that we're talking about here, it's just, we've just got to stop now with, yeah, we need to do better and we go again and all this nonsense. It's, it, it, it's, it's boring now. People need to start playing well or they need to start being dropped. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think we're all very frustrated um, at this moment on time that everyone's probably seen on social media or talking to their mates or family who support O's. I think for me, you know, after we take the lead early in the game, I wasn't just sitting there thinking, job done. I was thinking, there's no way we're going to keep a clean sheet here. So you're never kind of confident in the game because we always looked like they were going to score from a very early stage. And at 2-1 down, I didn't think we were going to find a way back into the game. So I do have to say, well done. But my big question, and something that really frustrated me, is why does it take a 38-year-old Joby McEnough to come on to look like he's got more desire and more, I don't know, confidence than the rest of the team put together? Mm. Why is he the one driving that midfield forward? He's, there's, you know, Riot, Cissé and Clay all kind of just standing there looking deflated, not doing much. And it takes Joby McEnough, 38, to come on and liven up the team and, and G them up. For me, that is unforgivable for some of these players. Um, you know, Cissé, last season, we nominated him for our player of the season. The guy played 10 games. He was immense. He was cutting out attacks. He was distributing the ball. He looked like a monster. Mm. Now he looks like a kid. Mm. He just, I don't know what's happened to him. He just doesn't look interested. Josh Wright, over the summer, Josh Wright is doing our training sessions with his brother. He's putting on muscle. He's looking good, strong. He should be doing 90 minutes and not even puffing. He should be knocking into players who are going flying off of him. He, I, that's not happening on the pitch. Craig Clay, man, what are you doing? I've got no words for Craig Clay tonight. JM Day, great goal, mate. Hopefully we can see it more often. And Grimsby, in all their attacks, we've spoken about one player, Owen Windsor, driving them forward from midfield, creating. We haven't got a player like that at Leighton Orient. There's no midfielder like Owen Windsor who is doing that for Orion, getting those chances into Danny Johnson and going, there you go, tap it in, make it. 
you know, we, we didn't watch Owen Windsor at all. And yes, we should have had a penalty. And yes, we probably come away with a draw and deserve the draw. But most of the points that are going to be made from the fans, fans' views tonight would still be valid whether we won, whether we drew the game or we lost the game. Now, obviously, we've lost the game and obviously we should have had a penalty. But there's still some massive, massive issues in the team as it stands at the moment. I mean, the Brophy issue seems to be rearing its head all the time. Widowson, over the course of the week, clearly, for most fans, isn't a, a centre-back, but is being played there by Ross when he has to. But we do need a big response. And two games this week, and I don't want to hear Josh Wright going, oh, we're going to give it our all on Tuesday. I want to see you giving your all on Tuesday. It's an I want to minimum. see you giving your all. I want to see you sweating. Yeah. I want to see you covered in mud. I want to see you dripping with sweat. And I, I want to be proud of you as an Orient fan. I don't want to be sitting on my weekly podcast moaning about a professional footballer who's not made a challenge for someone for 40 yards and then giving away a blatant penalty. Mm. I don't find it very enjoyable. In fact, I'm raging now as I'm sitting here alone in my kitchen. <laughs> but there you go. There you go. What I will say is that we haven't mentioned nothing to do with the Orient game. But well done, Josh Caroma, for scoring his first goal for Huddersfield against Swansea. All four of Josh Caroma's league goals have come in Wales. Well done to Josh Caroma. <laughs> Good stat. But that's the only positive I can take from that. But yeah, really disappointing. And like I say, massive opportunity on Tuesday now to put it right. And you know, I may have sounded harsh, but I think sometimes we have to sound harsh because as fans, we're so frustrated in that performance. No, it's fair. It's all fair. So, those were our views. So, we move on now to your views. Uh, Gold931 said, 15 goals let in from 10 games and one point out of 15. You can't keep letting goals in and hope to get results. I think it's really important, again, that we mention these are all tweets that came into Orient Outlook. And I think it's really pivotal to say, just because we read them again, does not mean we endorse them. Doesn't mean we agree with them. We're just putting out what came in for balance Sunshine LOFC was really not happy after the game he said another abject performance from the O's we only looked a decent side when Joby came on and utterly sick and bored of the football being played under Everton Grimsby deserved a win and it could have been more than the three they scored let's be honest there isn't another club in the football league that would touch Embleton as manager not one I am sick and tired of the football being served up under him it's painful. I mean, that is that is an absolutely scanting assessment from Joe there on Ross. Mm. Dan Alton, 2590, said disgraceful performance. The result was right for the game. Grimsby weren't amazing, but Orient deserved to lose. No question about it. And stop complaining about the penalty you didn't get, Ross. We didn't lose because of that. Pathetic. The authentic Gaz, if that was a blatant penalty for handball, that is scandalous. The ref must be held to account for that decision. But he won't be. Boatsy said batting after a second half, we need to start playing football for more than 45 minutes, giving ourselves again far too much to do. Joby made a massive difference, but yet again, we're making too many errors. Gorillas 1985 says, I know you've got a con- congested fixture list, but we need to start playing a regular back line. Must be hard for everyone not getting to know each other's game. Also, how did we keep a clean sheet in the cup against a team a division above, but none in the league? Great point. Orient Electric said, poor defending again, no creativity in midfield and no service to the forwards. Poor ref. Stephen Orient is struggling to understand what is happening at the club. The defence is a mess and has been for a while. 
We strengthened with two untried loanees, three right-backs, and none have started in the last two games. One's injured, one's an unknown absence, and one is on the bench. Linda Parrott, 86, uh, sorry, 186, said, Any chance we could ever play full-backs at full-back? <laughs> Paul Skinner, 88. The problem is it feels directionless. Same problem every week. Sure, we should have had a penalty at the end, but we didn't deserve it overall. Joby's almost single-handedly trying to save the team's blushes, but it's just so poor. As always, mid-November is the cut-off point for sacking a manager. If he can't pick it up by then, sadly, it will have to be the end for me. New managers need a couple of games before the transfer window to know what needs changing. John W nine 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 said, "Not going to jump on the on the no doubt build, no, not going to jump on the no doubt building Ross out the band, the Ross. Sorry, that doesn't really read very well at all. Uh, he's not going to jump on the Ross out bandwagon, basically. But it's concerning. We only look like a coherent team when Joby McEnough's on the pitch. Defending is shocking at times. There's a good attack in three, but too often lack service from midfield." Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, Joby Mac, the impact Joby Mac and I've had, I was, I was astounded. Yeah, it's crazy. It. I'm absolutely astounded by it. Why? What? I just can't understand why the others aren't giving that level that Joby Mac and Correct. Given. Agree. I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. David Sears three says okay. Grimsby deserved to win the game. They hit the woodwork twice, and we look vulnerable every time they attacked. Very, very poor. Can't see anything other than relegation battle unless we stop conceding goals. Will Perrett said, I'm usually not opt- as optimistic as they come, but this was the performance that has changed my mind. Ross needs to go. Players not in their natural positions. 4-3-3 clearly doesn't work. There's no leaders on the pitch until Joby. Relegation level at the moment. I mean, it's really interesting reading these tweets back out. If we had played well, all the tweets we'd be reading would be, we deserve the penalty, we were robbed. There's barely any tweets saying we were robbed or we deserve the penalty. Mm. It's all focusing on the negative. Uh, Oren Christ said, watching football with no fans is a hollow experience, irrespective of the result. Leaving that to one side, we were very poor, but credit to Grimsby, who were by far the better side. I think just to mention Grimsby, Grimsby have been in the same boat as us. They've played three games in seven days. They've had some long journeys to make, as we have. They mm. didn't train for two weeks before playing a game, but they still looked... You sharper. know, like a team who knew each other's game. They look sharper. Mm. What, I mean, why, did, why don't we look like that? Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with you. It's exactly right. That's the one team that have gone through a similar circumstance to us. They've not even played as many games as us, and they're already points and places ahead of us. So you're abs- that's an absolutely spot-on point. Daniel underscore D44 said, Yet again, we get what we deserved. I hate to say it, but the last two games have been against teams with experienced managers, and in both... They have been more organised and played more with purpose than us. The 4-3-3 does not help us. Ross has to sort it out soon before it's too late. Rory Dave said, I'm not a Ross knocker. On the contrary, but poor management has costed us today. Gifted them victory. Rekka Blue App said, poor passing, poor, sloppy and slow in midfield. Poor in defence. There's too many hospital balls from defenders and some stupid play. There's not enough creativity in the first 11 and poor in transition. Need to play 4-4-2 next game. Need Brophy and JMD wide in the midfield, in my opinion. Grimsby deserved it. Yeah, good point. I mean, lots of people saying 4-4-2. Lots of people saying Brophy and JMD on the wings. I mean, you've also got Dayton. I mean, we had this conversation when Ross first took the job about 4-4-2. We've kind of stopped talking about it because it kind of became irrelevant when we were winning and when we started the season so well. But we do look, from my perspective anyway, more of a squad 
that favours the 4-4-2 from my perspective. We've got mm. the wingers to do so. We've got strikers who can play through the middle. Um, so for me, yeah, I, 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 I like what Gooch Dog highlights. Well, Doug, I like what Doug has to say there. Essex yeah. Biz. Hello, Mac. I hope you're well. He said, when you give penalties away like that, you don't deserve to win. Yes, we should have had a penalty at the end, but I'm afraid Ross has a lot of work to do. Considering we play with a holding midfielder, we look far too open in midfield. Widowson has to start at left-back next game. Also, to the fans that are going to moan and groan, please remember, Ross has barely been able to get them out on the training pitch since the COVID outbreak because of all the games. That's very true as well. But Gooch Dog High Five said, uh, he uh, he said, poor performance. To me, they seem to lack belief in what they're doing. I don't get the patient build-ups intending to keep the ball only to wallop the ball randomly upfield, which we did a few times. He's absolutely spot on there. It was Paul uh, Record Blue app that said about the four four two. Oh, okay, fair play, yeah, Casey yeah. Adams, LOFC. So that was embarrassing. With embarrassing tactics, there are no two ways about it. Um, dear Stu said, first half we made Grinsby look like Barcelona. I'm sorry, but Ross has got the team selection and formation all wrong. We're in for a very long season ahead if we play like this. Some of the players are simply not good enough for this level. Joby was very good when he came on. Yeah, he was. Orient Ballbags and Ross needs to get a grip and quick. Play players in their positions. They were brought into this club to play in. Central midfielder ends up at right back, gives away a penalty. Brophy being played at left back. Willison's being played at centre back. It's time for Ross to shape up or ship out. Why are people blaming Clay? He's not a right-back, just as Widdowson isn't a centre-back. I thought the kid from West Ham was a centre-back, but he's playing at right-back. Brophy isn't a left-back, but apparently he has a lot of space to run into. Basics of football, round pegs in round holes. Um, Rayleigh Dave, That's a big tweet. Yeah, decent big tweet there. Rayleigh Dave said, no shape, no method, no decent full-backs. The midfielder's got no energy, leaving the defence exposed. Great point. Providing no service to the strikers. Another great point. Wright is a passenger who does not track back or tackle. How does he get in the team? We only had energy when Joby came on. It's pathetic. Hey, oh, come on. So we still haven't fixed the defence. Still the same issues as last season. We desperately need an experienced League 2 quality centre-back to go alongside Happy. K underscore Leontiev said, Our midfield is horrible, particularly when we don't have the ball. Far too easy for the opposition to play through the midfield lines. I don't see Cissé or Wright imposing themselves and controlling games. Spenno 011 says, We look so fragile. With all these well-paid, experienced players at our disposal, we should be doing so much better. So you've got to see three goals at home. It's unforgivable. Grimsby, with loads of young loan players in their team, deserve to win, even when we didn't get a stonewall penalty. MS Orient said, The only positive tonight was Joby McEnough, and I honestly don't know where to start with the formation and the defending. We are clueless, to be honest. The midfield has got no purpose going forward whatsoever, and I'm really disappointed with the players. You know who you are. Very poor. Mark Schaffer, not a happy man. Pills the Doman said, I have no problem with Akinola playing at right back. Better than the other three right backs we have, but I do have a problem with Brophy at left back. Grimsby targeted him. Widdowson has to play with Brophy firm forward. Maybe JMD Dayton on the right. Satori so and DJ up top. 4 4 2 is a must. Uh, Stomeister said my heart sank when I saw Wright was on the team sheet again and I'm struggling to see what he brings to the midfield and feel we're a weaker team with him in it I understand the reasons for rotation but feel the team consistently especially at the back really would really help us one Adam Conway 
tweeted us with his weekly tweet saying, play your best player left back when you're picking up points is one thing, but leaving him there when you keep losing is unforgivable and an unbelievable waste. It smacks of stubbornness. And in reply, Tom Davies, E17, said, Brophy wasn't in that game at all from an attacking perspective. He's being wasted and DJ got no service until Joby and JND came on. We really are going backwards compared to where we seem to be heading in February-March. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, when we when the season finished prematurely, we had a nice unbeaten home record. It felt like we were starting to turn the corner. CSA had come in and was starting to make a real impact. And you felt that we we were turning the corner and the tide was changing after a very difficult summer, to be fair to the club. Um, but that goodwill and that good feeling, and just three weeks ago, we were saying we could be a dark horse and there was lots of, lots of optimism optimism about the club that all seems to have massively and rapidly disappeared over the last three to four weeks uh, Paul 512705 so I think it's time Ross the rose scented glasses crew admitted that Ross and Ling have not got a scoreboard that's good enough over the last few transfer windows add to that the fact that Embleton isn't a good manager and you have a recipe for below average everything very harsh from Paul Kerim Saleh said, ask yourself how many clubs would be clamouring uh, to make Embleton their manager if he left E10 and there's your answer. Luckily for him, the owners who don't have the first clue about football thought he'd be a good choice as a manager due to his links to Justin Edinburgh. They were wrong, badly. That's not true and that's not fair because Ross has been doing this for, for well over, he's been a coach for well over 20 years. So um, it's not the fact that he's got links to Justin Edinburgh at all and I think that's unfair of you to say that. I'm just going to put that out there. Ben D. Bollars, we have the same squad as last season, minus Big Marper of two young loanies as squad cover. And how can anyone expect anything other than a 15th to 20th place finish? As a club, unfortunately, we have stagnated. I just hope that League 2 has at least two worse teams than us. Paul Gregory uh, said, after reflection for me, we have too many National League players in the squad. Wooderson, Clay, Ling, Wilkinson and Dayton... Kipriano is a creative midfielder and he, he deserves a chance. Are Ogi and Sweeney good enough? Lots of questions, but not many answers. Yeah, good point, good point. A final wording this evening comes from Pandemonium1881, who says, You simply cannot defend the way we did and expect to get a positive result. When the subs were made and we switched to using growth in Clay's attacking fullbacks, we looked far more comfortable controlling the game at our pace, pressing higher up and getting the ball wide which is term meant we started to create. I like Ross, he's hanging himself with his 4-3-3 formation. Several players need to exert themselves an extra 20 to 25%, and along with a simplistic formation, hard work and no dodgy refs will look far more comfortable. So, so there's what, a lot of views there. Tweets, yeah, so a many, they all views. came into our in outlook. Lots, lots of new Twitter handles there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that we've read out. Let us know what you think. You can tweet us at Orion Outlook or you can drop us a quick email, orionoutlook at outlook.com in case you're not on social media. Yeah, so time for Design Cabby Prediction League update. Not many correct predictions, but well done to B Cross 95. We correctly predicted today's result, gets three points. So that was two in a week for Ben. Well done, Ben. I don't know why we're saying well done. We lost, and they guess correctly. Well done to Kid Samson O, who predicted the result, and a scorer, so gets four points, meaning that leading the prediction league at the moment on 13 points is George Gerks. He's followed in second place on 10 points by B Cross 95, LOFC 08, and Wadsey, with Reedy QB9 and Rob MCCCA on eight points in joint third place. Thank you for all your predictions over the last week.
and a half. That is it, and that's the Design Cadbury Prediction League updated. So we move on to Sunday the 18th of October. The ladies were in FA Cup action. They were away at Dulwich Hamlet, ladies. They won the game 1-0 thanks to Catherine Long's seventh-minute strike. So a nice early strike there sees the ladies through to the next round. So well done to the ladies. Yeah, so time to wrap this up. As we're not together, I can't see how long this podcast... One hour, 15... Nearly one, uh, one hour, hour sixteen. Yeah. So right. So at one. one hour sixteen, let's wrap this bad boy up. So fantasy football update at the time of recording. William Noyes is top of the on Outlook podcast fantasy football league on three hundred and forty points. He's twelve points ahead of Mary T in second place. I'm in seventy eighth place as it stands out two hundred and ninety seven place. If anyone just want to join the league, it's quite late now, but you can still do so. The code to join the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy league. On fantasy.premiercom is VNU22R. So, Mr. Levy, it's time for positives and negatives. I'm pretty sure the negatives are going to massively outweigh the positives. <laughs> so, let's do the positives first. Yeah, so the positives, we've scored three good goals in the past week, um, which deserve a mention. And the ladies' FA Cup result is also a huge positive as well. So, well done to the ladies again. Yeah, so only two positives this week. We're going to have four negatives this week to start off conceding far too many goals I mean we're pretty much conceding at least two goals every game yeah. and when you're doing that your defence is causing your problems um, second negative is that we've lost two games this week but from winning positions so both games we've taken early 1-0 leads haven't been able to see them through and ended up losing both games third negative probably the biggest one for me this one mm. two big players not performing silly mistakes Widowson giving away the penalty on Tuesday Dayton not tracking his man on Tuesday, or right, not tracking his man, someone not tracking their man on Tuesday, yesterday, catalogue of errors for the goals, Turley not getting to his man for the first goal, the second goal, Cissé giving the ball away cheaply, third goal, the penalty, Craig Clay, Dan Happy, no one making the challenge, too many players not performing, and it's costing the team, and Ross Embleton, and the last negative, and maybe this is a bit harsh, but we've got Ad goal difference and league position only six games in so you can't read too much into it however not the start we all wanted and it does feel the pressure is starting to build a little now on the squad and on Ross absolutely and I think the goal difference becomes an issue because the worse it gets it becomes a point for an opposition team versus you know promotion or, or, or relegation so it's not something you really want to be building on so let's move on then and we struggled with this next one um, to be honest with you is our hero of the week uh, is at this point in the podcast and um, yeah we, we, we had a bit of a head scratch this week and it's, it's not really anyone that we felt that we could truly award it to until you mentioned uh, this one Steve so I'll let you announce it I'll do the drum roll so our hero of the week this week is Joby Mackina. So obviously he played on Tuesday, didn't um, create or get a goal, but I think the impact he had yesterday is when yeah. he came on the pitch, he lifted the entire team, which is a massively unfair on Joby. He shouldn't be having to do that. But nonetheless, he's our hero of the week. So two fixtures coming up this week. Another very busy week. It's another Tuesday, Saturday Saturday set of games, both away from home. First up, we travel to Tranmere Rovers on Tuesday, the 20th of October. This one kicks off at 7pm. Tranmere struggling a bit since they came down from League 1. They currently 16th. They lost 1-0 away to Newport yesterday, but that'll be a very tough game. Another long journey that we'll be making on the day. It's going to be a difficult one, that is Tranmere. 
Yeah, absolutely it will be. Um, and then on Saturday the 24th of October, we travel to Stevenage, managed by XO Alex Ravel, where on our last visit we comfortably, comfortably ran out 3-0 visitors. They're one place above us in the league in 17th. They lost 1-0 away yesterday at Forest Green Rovers and they've got Scotty C. And Scotty C. Scotty C. And Romain Vincelo <laughs> on their books as well. So it'll be an interesting, there's a big, uh, obvious... Um, Leighton Orient connection there and I think it's also fair to point out below us in the league are also Bolton Wanderers and Scunthorpe United as well as big spending Mansfield Town and, and South End and, and yeah, Tranmere are only a couple of places above us and a point above us so it's still very tight and very congested and Bradford who were below us or just above us uh, are, now five, uh, are now 13th uh, on, on 8 points so it's still a very congested uh, league so I think you're right what you said earlier Steve about not getting hung up on where we are in the league at the moment because it's it's nowhere near nowhere near that time of the season to to be worried but a sponsorship reminder um, thanks to Adam for sponsoring us this season don't forget if you've got any plastering or any building work going on in your house and you need a, a good plaster or you're looking at rendering for the best prices around visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads ADZ uh, that is uh, LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering need. That is it. Yeah, thank you for joining us for episode 220. We hope we haven't depressed you too much this evening. It's been a difficult week on the pitch for the club with two defeats as we lost away on Tuesday night to Warsaw after taking an early lead. And then on Saturday, it was a similar story as we conceded a late penalty as Grimsby took all three points home with them after winning 3-2. Ross and the board have come in for criticism over the last seven days and with two tough away games coming up this, make no mistake, is a big week. So all we can do is get behind them, support the team and hopefully talking about two wins in next week's podcast. So if you're listening to us on iTunes, please subscribe, please give the podcast a review. It will help other people to find us based on how their algorithms work we'd be very grateful to you if you're listening on soundcloud or spotify tune in or stitcher add us to your favorites and if you can leave a uh, a review for us on any of those platforms please we'd be very grateful if you could do that and that way if you add us to your favorites you're going to have us as soon as we upload them we're also on smart speakers so listening to the podcast has got even easier than ever before if you've got an older relative a loved one or an orient chum who you think might enjoy hearing about what's going on at Brisbane Road, grab their podcast, grab their uh, phones or tablets or point them in the right direction. Basically, pass the pod on. So we're going to be back with episode 221 next week with all the information, all the views that you can ever need. Steve and I will probably still be socially distant. I think we're in this now for a couple more weeks. So we look forward to hearing from you through social media. And as always, keep calm, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Adios.